0: Hello, everyone. Greetings and happy Wednesday, March 23rd. Welcome to an episode of Space Talk. Uh, so, I'm your host, Athena Brensberger. Some of you might know me as Astro Athens. And this, uh, today's episode is going to be part of our recurring series, which is how space objects are named. So first of all, I just wanted to take a moment just to say, I hope you're all doing well today. Hope this episode finds you at a time and place where you are exploring the stars and you are still filled with wonder every time you look up at the sky. If you haven't tuned in recently, we've uh, covered quite a few, um, we're kind of breaking new space, uh, space event discovery type things. Uh, the reason I say discovery type things is they weren't necessarily discovered this week, but things about them were newly discovered, such as a pulsar's extremely long jet or filament and uh, an exoplanet's very strange atmosphere. So uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of reading more about those two uh, topics specifically and those two areas of research to see what they find next regarding those two objects. So today's episode is going to be all about dwarf planets. Dun, 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 dun. So Pluto, <laughs> so dwarf planets, including Pluto. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of why Pluto got denounced as, uh, as a, uh, a main planet and became just considered to be a dwarf planet. What exactly is a dwarf planet? Where are they? Does that mean they're still planets? And we're going to basically be answering all those questions today. This may or may not be because I am inspired by my friend, Dr. Kirby Runyon, who will be joining us next week here on Space Talk, um, because he is a planetary geologist who has a very strong passion about Pluto and dwarf planets. Um, so to my surprise, while I was researching this, uh, I found some really interesting things. So let's go ahead and jump into it. First of all, here is a kind of classical definition of what a dwarf planet is. A dwarf planet is a small planetary mass object that is in direct orbit of the sun, something smaller than any of the eight classical planets, but still a world in its own right. There is another definition um, that is more so about not just kind of the, the, the size of the planet. This comes from the International Astronomical Union. The definition of planet is a body that circles the sun without being some other object's satellite. So this is why the moon is not a planet. It is the satellite of Earth. It doesn't orbit the sun completely on its own. A planet also is large enough to be rounded by its own gravity, but not so big that it begins to undergo nuclear fusion like a star. And it has cleared its neighborhood of most other orbiting bodies. So what that means, and this is why Pluto is considered to be a dwarf planet and not one of the main planets, is it has not cleared its neighborhood of other orbiting bodies. It is still in the Kuiper belt. And so because it is still in the Kuiper belt, it is Pluto considered to be a dwarf planet, not one of the main eight planets. There's a few other things too about Pluto as to why it's considered to be a dwarf planet. But some of the main things is because even though it does orbit the sun, it, it does have an orbit that circles around the sun. It is still located within the Kuiper belt. If you want to see what I'm talking about, head to one of those cool, really cool simulation games, either uh, universe sandbox, or you could head to uh NASA eyes on the solar system. And you'll see what I'm talking about. The orbit of Pluto extends all the way out into the Kuiper belt, and it's still orbiting with all these other objects. So why is, you know, Pluto so special? Well, when it was discovered, uh, actually it was part of space history about a couple weeks ago, um, by Clyde Tombaugh in 1930, uh, they were currently, astronomers were looking for planet X or planet nine, and they ended up finding Pluto and called it planet nine, but then it wasn't until Let's find the actual data here. It wasn't until about 2004, I believe, or 2006, that another object was discovered just beyond Pluto. And this ended up being an object that is another dwarf planet. It turned out to be bigger than Pluto. Here it is. I found the details of it. It was 2006. And once they ended up recognizing this other object as a dwarf planet and not a main planet orbiting the sun, they said, okay, well, then Pluto can't be a main planet either of the solar system. It must be this dwarf planet. So this is this is when uh, it happened. It turned out to be uh, Eris, so E-R-I-S, which is another dwarf planet. So we'll get a little bit more into that later, but let's kind of talk about what today's episode is about, which is w- what are these planets named, who names them, and why are they named that? So starting off kind of just with, uh, Pluto (laughs) as the first dwarf planet that is, you know, closest to us or closest to the sun out of all the other dwarf planets, Pluto was named after the Roman God of death. I know, very very dramatic. (laughs) According to Roman myth, when someone died, they traveled down to the underworld. And this, and this was Pluto and this, the International Astronomical Union, um, basically are the ones who decide the names for a lot of these objects. We spoke about this before. Um, Oh, this is good. Mace Starwalk. Hello, hello. What is the definition of a planet? Great question. Uh, Let's go back to, I did just read it, um, but I'll just go by it really quick. So you might've joined a little bit after, but the definition of a planet as uh, recognized by the IAU, which is the International Astronomical Union is a body that circles the sun without being some other objects satellite. So we said before, this is why the moon is not uh, a planet. It, uh, it is the satellite of earth. It is large enough to be rounded by its own gravity, but not so big that it begins to undergo nuclear fusion, like a star stars are so massive. They start to go under, undergo nuclear fusion in their cores. And lastly, it has to have cleared its neighborhood of most other orbiting bodies. And this is when we said that Pluto is located within the Kuiper belt. It has not cleared all of its other orbiting bodies. And so it is not considered to be a planet for this very reason, along with a few other very reasons. In case you don't know what the Kuiper belt is, it is a ring of icy bodies beyond the orbit of Neptune. And that is where Pluto is. And so it is considered to be a dwarf planet planet. Uh, also, because it's smaller than a lot of the other planets as well within our solar system, but uh, not all of them. Uh, I believe Mercury is actually smaller than Pluto. However, Mercury cleared its neighborhood. Mercury is not orbiting in uh, like a, you know like the asteroid belt. It's not orbiting with a bunch of other bodies of mass around the sun. So, with that being said, um, this is why uh, Pluto is considered to be a dwarf planet. Uh, the proper definition of the Kuiper belt is a circumstellar disc in the outer solar system extending from the orbit of Neptune at 30 astronomical units. Remember one astronomical unit is the distance from the earth to the sun. One astronomical unit is about 93 million miles. And, uh, it's a, it's approximately 50 AU from the sun. So this, this is very, very far away the Kuiper belt and Pluto, um, it's similar to the asteroid belt, uh, which is b- between Mars and Jupiter. And there's a lot of objects in the asteroid belt as well that are recognized as asteroids um, and kind of are on hold right now with potentially being considered dwarf planets as well. Um, so this is what kind of blew my mind uh, when I was looking all this stuff up. I found actually I found this video. I want to play it for you guys. It's a song. Um, and then we'll, we'll continue kind of chatting about this. It's, it's a really, really fun song. Um, I don't have to play the whole thing. It's, it's three minutes, almost four minutes long, but I'll play part of it. It's called the dwarf planet song. If you could hear it, leave me a comment. the sun. I'm the largest object in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. I run. Scientists think my spots are salty to- Okay. I'll pause it there. It's definitely a lot better. Okay, good. You, could, you guys could hear it. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and send it in the chat so you guys have a link for that. If you want to watch it on your own, I really recommend it. Um, the only reason I'm not going to keep it playing right now, maybe we can revisit it through some of the, some of the dwarf planets is, um, it is pretty long and the visuals really help with the, uh, with the audio of the song. So I recommend just probably watching it, um, on your own as well. So we understand now that what a dwarf planet is, we understand what the Kuiper belt is, We understand that Pluto is located in the Kuiper belt, hence why it's considered a dwarf planet, not a main planet. But now how many dwarf planets are there? When I first looked this up, I thought there'd be like hundreds of thousands, right? Maybe not hundreds of thousands. I thought there'd be like hundreds because the Kuiper belt is made up of a lot of, a lot of rocky material, a lot of icy material. There's just a lot of stuff happening out there. Um, So although there's been a lot of different objects detected, the International Astronomical Union only recognizes five, five main dwarf planets, which is (laughs) like what that song is. You have Ceres, Pluto, Eris, Macamake, or make, 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 I gotta pronounce that better, and Haumea. These names are just absolutely crazy to read. Uh, Each of them are named after a Roman god. So uh, the discoverers as well as the IAU decided to kind of continue this, uh, sort of tradition of naming the planets after Greek and Roman gods. So that kind of answers today's episode's question. How are these space objects named? What are they named? They're named after Greek and Roman gods. How are they named? They're named after the IAU. So if you discover it, maybe you have a say, but at the end of the day, the IAU kind of decides all, um, we did an episode talking about the IAU once. So if you ever want to Kind of rewind back to that. Uh, go check it out. It was in, I would say, probably the second episode of How Space Objects Are Named. So look up the one that is about asteroids. We really kind of dive in deep with the IAU. All right. So uh, that is kind of, I have a lot of notes here. So I'm going to try and get through all of these. Um, so that those five main planets, you know, Pluto, Eris, Haumea, Makemake, and Ceres, um, once those became discovered. This is when basically people, astronomers, the IAU said, okay, like maybe we should just sort of stick to the main objects that are, you know, orbiting completely on their own. Um, even though these dwarf planets have moons, they have satellites that orbit them, um, they're still considered to be part as long as they're still within that um within that Kuiper belt, if they haven't cleared their area yet, they're still considered to be a dwarf planet. Asteroid belt as well. There are objects that are within the asteroid belt, as I mentioned, that may soon be considered to be uh, a dwarf planet, which would be really, really exciting. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to mention here? We've got, we've got quite a lot of things. Um, so a dwarf planet have, was initially believed to be at least the size of Earth. But astronomers now know that it's about 1,455 miles across. It's about 2,300 kilometers. That's less than 20% as big as our planet. And Pluto is just 0.2% as massive as Earth. So that's one, one point as well, is that the, these, these objects are pretty small. Uh, it doesn't mean they're still not very fascinating and interesting. They're still rocky. They still have elements on them. They still have really, some of them, uh, you know, are very, very cold because it's so far away. It's really beyond the orbit of of Neptune. So it's really far away from our sun. It's not really getting a lot of that that solar radiation, that heat. And so it's much cooler. But they do have like craters and terrain. And uh, uh, some of them even have like mountains, some possibly uh, even ice. Uh, liquid water ice, which would be really cool. Uh, can dwarf planets be any shape? That is such a good question. So many great questions. Thank you, May Star Walker. Um, so in that dwarf planet song, it actually talks about how one of them spins so quickly on its axis, it's developed this elongated shape. That one is, I think it's it's a uh, makey make. Let's see. Ah, here we go. It's Haumea, the the fifth dwarf planet furthest from the sun it's oddly shaped it's one of the fastest rotating large objects in our solar system um and because it spins so quick it causes the dwarf planet to become elongated in shape and it's roughly about the same size as pluto um so that that helps it's named after the hawaiian goddess of childbirth and fertility very very interesting um, there's this really awesome infographic I downloaded from NASA that actually shows to the sort of like scale of just how far out a lot of these objects are. Ceres is within the asteroid belt. So that's between Mars and Jupiter, whereas Pluto, Aries and Makemake and Haumea are within the Kuiper belt. So just beyond the orbit of Neptune. So really interesting. Uh, That's pretty cool that one of them is actually recognized as a dwarf planet that is within the asteroid belt. Um, A lot of times our asteroids are meteors, things that tend to fly by Earth. Uh, Whenever that happens, it's usually because of our massive, massive planet, Jupiter. Uh, It ends up causing a gravitational slingshot effect of other objects like asteroids within the asteroid belt. And it can cause an object to be tugged on by the gravity of Jupiter and cause it to get totally flung off of its orbit. And it can either fly out to the outer solar system or in towards the inner solar system towards the sun. And this most of the time is when you'll end up hearing breaking news, like new astronomers discover asteroid that's approaching the earth. Oh, you know, it's always something really crazy, these headlines, um, And, 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 you know, although like for sure that, you know, it could happen where an asteroid could come and, 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 you know, collide with earth. We have a lot of really good planetary protection programs in place to try to, you know, either, uh, strike the asteroid with a missile, break it up into pieces so that those can be a little more manageable or a redirect mission of the asteroid. So sending a space probe or spacecraft to then, Maybe like attach boosters to it and thrusters and push it into a different orbit away from the sun, away from the earth. So tons of different things. Um, Oh, so many good questions here. Let's see. Is Pluto mostly made of rock or metal? Very good question. I'm going to check that because I don't know off the top of my head. I believe it's more metallic based. Let's look up the composition of Pluto. Pluto. Uh, and now again, if you wanted to look at like a simulation of this, uh, if you didn't hear me mention that before, check out Universe Sandbox or here, I'll type it in the chat or, um, NASA Eyes software. Universe Sandbox or NASA Eyes. Um, and they'll say on the solar system. NASA Eyes has like also NASA Eyes on Mars, NASA Eyes on the asteroid belts, like, very specific things, but then they have one that's sort of the entire solar system. You'll want to check that one out and you could like zoom into Pluto. You can like cut Pluto in half and see what the inside looks like, which is really cool. Um, so Pluto is only about 1400 miles wide. Uh, and let's see, it is, it has a, it has a thin atmosphere composed mostly of nitrogen, methane, and carbon monoxide. And here we are, we have NASA solar system, and I still want to see kind of what Pluto is made of. Let's see. It, well, we definitely know it's not a gas giant. Um, and let's see. It is a small rocky world about the size of Earth's moon. And let's double check this. Um, so it's made up of... Oh, this is interesting. It probably consists of a mixture of 70% rock, 30% water, ice. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, so that's pretty fascinating. By the way, the reason we know that it's not a gas planet is uh, a lot of the images that came back from the New Horizons mission and other missions is you see craters on the surface. So you, if you know that there's a surface of the planet, then you know that it's a terrestrial planet, like Mercury, Venus, the Earth. If you aren't able to see the surface and it's just like this really kind of uh, sort of gaseous, puffy uh, planet with clouds then you know that it's most likely a gas giant. Um, And what was interesting is that Venus, because it has such a thick atmosphere, it's really tough to see the surface, but there have been missions that have probed Venus, didn't last very long, um, just because of all the the harsh conditions that are going on on Venus, the the closeness to the sun, lots of radiation. Uh, Venus also, because it has such a thick atmosphere, it's very, very hot. The surface temperature is very hot of Venus. And so for spacecraft to be able to survive that is, is very tricky, uh, engineering wise. And so, but there has, there have been missions and, you know, figured out that there is indeed a, you know, a, a surface of, of Venus. There are, is terrain, there are mountains and stuff like that. Um, but because of the stick atmosphere causes a runaway greenhouse effect And basically think about a greenhouse, but instead it just, it's a runaway effect. So it increases, 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 it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter and there's just no break. Um, So with Pluto, you see these craters. So you know that there is a type of hard surface. We mentioned last time that the reason the great red spot is a giant cyclone on Jupiter that's been happening for hundreds of years, literally centuries, is because there is no surface for the storm to disperse. So it just continually keeps being fed within the atmosphere, more, more winds, more cyclones, more like, uh, motion. And so without it being able to disperse within a surface, it just keeps happening. Similarly, Neptune with a great dark spot. So, uh, so this is how we know that, 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 Pluto is indeed a terrestrial planet, has craters, does have an atmosphere, um, is mostly, mostly rock and, possibly even water ice the rest of that not so sure about metal Uh, i'm sure there there are some traces of metal within it but seems like there needs to be more missions there because i'm not able to find too much more uh too much more stuff on it as of right now got some bedrock on it which is uh also here on earth but yeah so that's that let's see we've got some more questions i noticed um Okay. Have we done the calculations on how old someone would be if we left on a one-way trip at projected maximum rocket speeds in 10 plus years? Um, let's see, have we, we I am like reading this one more time. I'm thinking about, so there's been, uh, I think a ton of when planning missions like Mars, uh, or like, yeah, I'll just use Mars as, as an example. Um, for sure, I, I'm I'm pretty sure NASA and, and SpaceX, since those are the two, two go tos right now that have active lunar Mars missions, not active but actively planning uh, Mars missions. They they do have to take into account, of course, you know the, the human age because. What, what are we going to do if we're going to be setting a person up there and, and it's beyond their years, uh, then we won't really be able to have a successful mission. So certainly, uh, it's been, it's been calculated, but specifically you're asking how someone would be if they left on a one way trip at projected maximum rocket speeds. So I guess it kind of depends on where, where they would be going. Um, there was a really cool uh, movie. I wish I could remember what it was, uh, I think it was Voyagers. Yeah, it was a recent movie. It was Voyagers and it was a mission of young younger people who were on a mission to go to like I think it was a totally different like solar system. It was a totally different planetary system maybe in the galaxy or maybe it was to even a totally different galaxy. But they you know, like ended up like procreating uh, creating another generation, those folks grew old, died, their children grew old, died. And then there, I think it was the fourth generation are the ones who were grandparents by the time the spaceship arrived to that other star system. And I mean, it's so crazy because there's literally generations. Imagine being born on a spaceship. You had no choice. You're just born into it. And you're like, well, I'm going to be living my life here and I'm going to be dying here. And I'll never know what earth is or what a planet is really, uh, in, in, just in concept. Um, and, and it's really, it's a fascinating movie. Uh, I, re- I recommend watching it. Voyagers, if you guys have a chance and it kind of ties into that, um, uh, Loki's logician. So, uh, Joshua who asked that question, really good question, by the way, if you guys have more questions, feel free to ask away. Um, really, really loving your questions today. So, uh, I guess to sort of summarize, let's see. So we've got rocky worlds. Okay, according to the International Astronomical Union, which sets the definitions for planetary science, a dwarf planet is a celestial body that orbits the sun, has enough mass to assume a nearly rounded shape, and has not cleared the neighborhood around its orbit, and not a moon, and is not a moon. So, as I mentioned, a lot of these dwarf planets also have moons. Um, a lot of them have their own moons that orbit them and, um, it doesn't mean that they're not, you know, a, a main planet. They're still, uh, they're still a, um, a dwarf planet. There is a really great infographic I downloaded for my friend who asked the question, do you mean passengers? Let's see. I believe this movie was called Voyagers. Yep. Nope. I mean, Voyagers is the one that came out in 2021 very recent. Uh, it's on Hulu. Just did a quick Google search, uh, that yeah, super, super new. Um, and m- maybe passengers was the prequel. Maybe there was the same story. Um, but I believe this was it. Yeah. Future human race. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So, but I got to check out passengers. It sounds really cool too, but also another really good infographic you could download, um, when just sort of like looking up, dwarf planets on NASA's website. And this one shows sort of the inside understanding of Pluto. So the inside being rock, there being a thin water ice um, layer, and then a frozen nitrogen layer up on top. And this uh, is also super cool. This is all thanks to the New Horizons mission, which, which flew by Pluto. Um, I believe it flew by Pluto on New Year's Eve uh, a few years ago when Brian May from Queen uh, sang a song for Pluto and uh, actually is an astrophysicist as well, as well as becoming a famous rock singer and and guitarist for Queen. And let's see. So yeah, super cool, uh, super cool thing we got here. So Pluto's moons are Charon, Nyx, Hydra, Kerbeos, and Synx. Or sticks, excuse me, sticks. Um, And each of those orbit Pluto totally on their own orbit. Uh, Pluto has also a ton of craters, as we mentioned. Very elliptical orbit. Uh, But it does, of course, indeed still orbit the sun. So that's that's about everything. Let's see if there's anything else I wanted to mention here. I'm going to do a very short music break just to sort of brief through my notes real quick. But if you guys have any other questions, please do share them in the chat. And I will be back in just a moment. Alrighty, let's jump back into this. So, just a couple more things here. Um, the term dwarf planet—I uh, wanted to I wrote this down to share with you all—was uh, actually a term that was coined by Alan Stern, who actually was the planetary geologist that Kirby Runyon, who's joining us next week, worked under, uh, specifically on the New Horizons mission. So, if you got some specific Pluto questions or dwarf planet questions, for sure, I'm going to get into it with, with uh, the discussion with Kirby next week. Um, But of course, please do also bring your questions because he is a lot more knowledgeable in this stuff than I am. This is literally his area of expertise. And so, uh, he's very, very passionate about it as well. And so Alan Stern actually categorized this name, uh, as kind of a a three-way categorization of planetary mass objects in the solar system. There's classical planets, dwarf planets, and then there's satellite planets, Um, satellite planets are, are really interesting. They're like a planetary mass moon. So they basically, um, are a natural satellite that are large and kind of has like a spherical, maybe ellipsoid sort of shape and, uh, that are maybe a little bit bigger than Mercury. So we've got these three different kinds of planetary proposals that came through from Alan Stern that got adopted by the IAU. And it just kind of makes me wonder, is like, if we didn't do that, would we actually be considering all these other planets to be added to the solar system? So rather than taking away planets, more like adding them, instead of sort of confusing things along the way and making all these other types of, of, of planets, but just with, you know, a little extra word attached to it at the beginning. And I think that a, a really interesting point that Kirby made once was about like, you know, when teaching kids in school about this when they learn that there's actually more planets than like just the eight main ones we learn about, a lot of them tend to get super excited about it. And, and I decided to actually ask some of my students once, uh, when I was doing a sixth grade astronomy class, I said, how would you guys feel if there were more than eight planets, you know, within our solar system? Some of them were like, oh, it's just more memorization for us, like more homework, and some of them were just like, well, it's fascinating. Could life exist on them? And so I think that there's so much more room for curiosity. Um, Being sort of built into kids' minds. Also, the concept of gas planet, terrestrial planet can change too. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up learning that there were these gas giants that were the furthest from the sun, terrestrial planets closest to the sun, I assumed this was how planets behaved in space. The terrestrial planets are located, you know, closer to the sun because there's more heat. Gas giants are the ones furthest from the sun because it's colder. But if there are all these other dwarf planets that are also rocky in nature, nature, and are terrestrial that are beyond the gas giants, then that assumption is, you know, now basically, you know, incorrect. It's so so. Basically, now I, I could understand as as a high school student learning astronomy, maybe in my first like real hardcore astronomy class, that ha, huh, wait a second. So there could be terrestrial planets that are beyond the orbits of the gas giants just because it's cold doesn't mean you have to be a gas giant. Um, and so I think that it's, it's almost doing us not so much justice by, by sort of teaching kiddos that now, well, well, now we have these dwarf planets and, and now we have these main planets, but now we also have these satellite planets. And I think that that could almost just sort of lead to more confusion as opposed to saying, this is a planet. It orbits the sun, it has moons. Um, it ha it also has all these potentials for, for life on it. Right. Uh, or pre- potentially for life to maybe exist if, you know, if extremophiles can survive under these really cold conditions. Um, but it happens to also be, you know, existing in an area with all these other rocky bodies. And so and that seems to really bother a lot of people. I notice that, that, um, that argument specifically, because they're like, well, if it's with all these other, you know, bodies within the Kuiper belt, then it can't be a planet. It's not, you know, it hasn't cleared its its neighborhood. It's like, well, Saturn still has its rings around it with all these rocky materials with moons. And although it's smaller, it, you know, it's, it's still there. Uranus, Neptune also have rings around them. So when do we say that clearing the neighborhood, quote unquote, which is what I've read a lot of is, referred to as not rings, but is other objects like the asteroid belt and the Kuiper belt. So I don't know, kind of just an interesting argument there. Uh, I, I would definitely prefer to almost have more planets within the solar system. I don't think it gets confusing. I think if anything, it actually gets a little bit more straightforward and clear to just like those who are learning astronomy for the first time. All so let's see, uh, passengers is a space film from Chris Pratt. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Wakes up, finds a die, old age. Okay. I'm going to, I wonder if I did watch passengers. I don't know. I will watch that over the weekend. Um, but we are just about out of time here. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, I just want to say thank you all so much for jo- joining today's episode. We've got some more upcoming episodes. If you want to tune in to space talk later this week or next week, um, I always look forward to doing this with all of you. I love chatting with you guys. I love your questions. So I hope you all get to go outside tonight and look up at the night sky, maybe do some stargazing and I don't know, maybe you get to see Pluto through a telescope and say hello. Alrighty guys, see y'all later till next time at Astra.